Welcome to the Trap Shooters United podcast. I am your host and owner, Joe Brumfield. I created this to help share, showcase, and support this amazing sport by talking to shooters, vendors, parents, and companies. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Trap Shooters United or like us on Facebook. Hi, everyone. Thought I would do a quick introductory episode, kind of introduce myself to everybody. Uh, most of you probably have no idea who I am other than what you see. Um, on Instagram or you know, Facebook, or you've met me already at some of the shoots. Um, so I thought I'd kind of dive into my shooting journey, um, why I took an 11-year break, and then kind of get into why I created Trap Shooters United and kind of where I see it going from here. So um, I started shooting back in 2001, um, got introduced to it. My dad shot uh, I, I believe I went to the Indiana State shoot in 2001. Uh, buddy of mine, Cody Sullivan, um, we lived close by, childhood friends, still our friends. Um, he was shooting as well, and I, I, I watched the um, watched the shoot that day and decided, you know what, that looked kind of fun, so let me go ahead and try it. Um, went out, my very first time shooting, I think I, I don't know, maybe I broke 10 maybe, um, probably not, but um, I was shooting an old... Uh, Winchester Model 12, and um, had really had no idea what I was doing. Um, ended up getting a um, Remington 870 Express and shooting that. Uh, I think that my first registered shoot, I think I broke, I don't know, 50-something um, in singles, and I just kind of got the bug with it. I loved it. It's fun. Uh, couldn't get enough of it. Um, I went to a shoot shortly thereafter that and shot 200 singles and I think I broke, broke a 156 or, you know, 153, something like that. And I just happened to be the only sub junior there. So I ended up winning a trophy and I remember, um, you know, later that, later that night, uh, my dad was talking about, you know, my, my sister just got a, um, uh, a job, you know, in the, for the summer. And he was like, well, you, maybe you should get a job. And I'm like, well, no, I, I want to shoot this summer. And then I quickly realized um, that we did not have the funds <laughs> to do that. And um, that shooting actually costs money. You just don't go there and, you know, shells magically appear and um, entry fees are paid for and all that stuff. Even though obviously as a sub junior, I could pay, you know, half price for targets. It still added up really quick, especially when he shot as well. So um, I started working at, at a local trap club, uh, Rush County Conservation Club. I was probably 12 years old, 11, 12, something like that. And I, um, obviously I was a scorer. I filled the trap houses, got kind of, you know, a basic knowledge of, you know, how the game, how the game works, you know, setting up, tearing down all that stuff. I ended up doing that for maybe four or five years. Um, during that time, my shooting obviously got progressively better. Um, like I said, didn't have the funds to actually go full, full force with it. I shot maybe, you know, a thousand to 1500 targets, um, registered targets, you know, per year, a thousand or so singles, a thousand or so handicap. And then I would shoot 300 singles or, um, 300 doubles just to try to, to make the, you know, the sub junior or the junior um, state team, which I was unsuccessful at. Um, uh, did that. I shot my Remington 870 Express for a couple of years. Actually ended up breaking some pretty decent scores with it. 
Uh, I think my max was a 98 in singles. Uh, in handicap, I had broken you know, a 96 before, maybe a 97. Uh, got lucky and won um, a Great Lakes Grand Trophy for yardage group. I think I won a yardage group out in Oklahoma State shoot as well. Um, so I, w- I would I would get lucky sometimes in the handicaps and, and, and pop a, a decent enough score to usually win yardage group. Um, but obviously, you know, the sub junior or junior ranks, you know, just, just like they are now, they're they're pretty tough unless you're you're breaking all of them. Um, I would say in probably 2004 or so, I ended up getting a very old um, Browning Satori combo. Um, very old, probably probably made in the in the 80s. Um, it was super cheap. Got it at the Indiana Gun Club. I think we paid like eight or nine hundred bucks, which you know, to us, that was, that was a lot of money to spend on a gun. So I got that and I instantly, you know, realized that, you know, you don't have to have a $20,000 gun to shoot good, but going from an, an 870 up to a, a dedicated, you know, trap gun, the trigger was so much different. The swings were so much different. And my scores got a little bit better, more consistent. I think I broke 98 in handicap one year at the Indiana State shoot. I think it was 2004 or so. Uh, shot off against six other people. Uh, I was the only one who ran the 25 straight. So that was my, that was the highlight for sure um, of, of that shoot. And then um, 05 came around. I graduated high school in 05. So I shot that year. Usually I would hit up, obviously, some local shoots. And then I would go Ohio State shoot, Indiana State shoot, and then the Grand over in Vandalia. That was pretty much the the the, the gist of my travel schedule as far as being able to afford, you know, shooting. Um, I did mention I went to the Oklahoma State shoot one year, and then the Great Lakes Grand uh, one year as well, which uh, I, I scrounged up enough money to to go up there. And uh, my buddy Cody Sullivan and his dad um, allowed me to go with them to ride up, so I had. I had free gas on the way up and then a free room and board. So the only thing I really had to pay for was my food. Sometimes, uh, most of the time, his dad actually ended up forking the bill over, which was awesome because I would sit there and constantly calculate, you know, how much money I had to, to spend on shooting or if I could shoot and maybe I could shoot doubles, you know, now if I, if I saved up enough money, but typically I would, I wouldn't shoot doubles because one, I wasn't very good at them. And two, it was, it was mon- money I had to fork over that I didn't want to. Um, so I graduated high school in 2005 and then, um, life obviously hits you. You have to, you know, I got a real job. Um, so my, my schedule didn't really allow me to shoot and I didn't have any money to begin with making $10 an hour working in a factory, bounced around four different factories between, uh, July of 05 up till, you know, February or March of 06. Um, at that point I decided to join the Marine Corps. So I really didn't, I really couldn't shoot at that point. So we ended up joining the Marine Corps in 2006, uh, went over uh, to boot camp in California and then got stationed in Washington, D.C. I was contract 0311, but I had a presidential security clause in there. So I, I was screened for that, passed that screening. So then I was stationed in Washington, D.C. at 8th and I. And uh, while I was there, I was basically waiting on my security clearance um, to get it finalized and approved. 
So I was just doing security there at, at Eighth and I. They have the uh, silent drill team. And then also the commandant of the Marine Corps uh, lives there with some high-ranking generals. So we were there kind of learning the basics and such uh, before moving on. So um, once I once my top secret clearance um, was approved, I went to the White House Communications Agency over at a at nearby Air Force Base, Bowling Air Force Base, just outside of Washington, D.C. And I was basically doing security for the compound. And then uh, we got selected um, for a four-person, a three- to four-person team to go on trips um, with either the, the president or the vice president. So I got to go to uh, Japan and London, uh, both with President Bush. And then I got to go to Ukraine with Vice President Cheney. And then I was actually there for the turnover of Bush and Obama. So I went to uh, Costa Rica with Vice President Biden at the time. So that was pretty cool. I uh, really didn't appreciate it as much as I probably should have as a young 21, 22 year old. Um, looking back on it now, I probably should have appreciated it more than what I what I did. Um, after my time there, I was I was contract infantry. So then I went to uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and I was. Um, uh, uh, sent to a unit and they were getting ready for a workup to go to Afghanistan. So I got there and then uh, I got there in a July of 09, I believe. And then we were working up um, for the deployment to Afghanistan and we went to Afghanistan in March of 2010. And I was in Afghanistan, Helmand province until the end of September of 2010. Uh, while I was there, I ended up re-enlisting so I did uh, my, I did uh, my first contract was five years. So I did another, uh, enlistment. And then during that enlistment, I decided to change jobs and became a, uh, career advisor, career planner. Um, so basically it was kind of like a recruiter to keep people in, I guess. So basically it was my job to do their contracts, um, bonuses and such for re-enlisting duty station preferences, all that stuff. So that's what I did. I uh, went to school for that in California and then got stationed in North Carolina for about three weeks. And then they actually needed somebody in Quantico that had a top secret clearance. So I was pretty much the only or one of the few career planners with that. So I got stationed in Quantico. Um, so that was in 09 or no, um, let me backtrack a little bit. So in 09, when I was stationed at Camp Lejeune, I actually had my gun down there. My sister lived there and uh, I actually started shooting a little bit. So there were some clubs in North Carolina that I went to uh, pretty far away. Most of them were, you know, an hour and a half, two hours away. So I shot a little bit there. And then when I moved to Virginia in 2010, got stationed in Quantico, I um, ended up picking up shooting a little bit more, a little bit more clubs down there. Uh, met a guy by the name of Chip King and he kind of showed me the layout of, you know, which clubs to go to and when they were shooting and all that stuff. And then he actually um, had a buddy that worked or knew a guy who knew a guy in the Cesar Guarini um, factory, I suppose. And I got a sweet deal on a, a Cesar Guarini combo. So I ended up trading in my old Satori or and I sold my old Satori and then bought, uh, bought the Cesar Guarini combo and shot that for uh, two years when I was in Virginia uh, you know, random, you know, registered shoots, uh, Virginia state shoe, that sort of stuff. Nothing, nothing heavy. And then I got orders to California. So I ended up selling my Cesar Guarini and then moved to California. 
And then while I was in California, I didn't shoot. There was, I didn't know of any clubs down there and I really didn't have the time or anything to do that. So I, I went to, uh, went to California, I believe in 2014, 2013, 2014 range. And then, um, I didn't, I didn't shoot. So I quit shooting in 2011 and then I decided to get out of the Marine Corps and towards the end of 2016. And I told myself, you know, when you move back to Indiana, um, you're going to start shooting again, um, just because there's a lot more opportunities and such in Indiana, and the Midwest to shoot than there are, you know, on the, on the East coast where I was, or, uh, definitely on the West coast. Um, so I started, uh, Figuring out when I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, my wife was eight months pregnant, so we ended up having our first kiddo, and so obviously that took all the time, you know, that I had. Plus, I was working at at Lexus, Tomwood Lexus in Indianapolis, selling vehicles, so I had to work every Saturday. Um, so I had zero time to actually dedicate to shooting, and then uh, we shortly thereafter we had our second kiddo, um, so that took up two kiddos under the age of two was, uh, pretty tough. Um, so that took up all the free time I had and then, uh, just didn't, it, shooting wasn't even on my radar. So I ended up working at Lexus until June of 2020 at that point, or I, uh, sorry, June of 2021. And then at that point I started working from home, uh, have a little bit more free time Monday through Friday. So I had weekends off, uh, did that for almost a year. And then in June of 2022, uh, a few months ago, I started getting the itch to shoot again. So that's exactly what I did. Uh, I went to, um, started looking at guns. Uh, I saw the Craig off KX6 special, fell in love with it, handled a, handled one. And then I went to the Ohio State shoot one day and uh, got with Michael Gooch. And he hooked me up on, on one there. Uh, didn't shoot it, went straight to the line, signed up for handicap, went out and shot an 84 with it. Didn't figure that was too awful. I expected to do much worse considering I hadn't picked up a shotgun in 11 years and obviously a brand new gun that I had never touched before. So I um, had that and then I uh, shot some, you know, I shot at the Indiana State shoot. Uh, ended up breaking some decent scores with it. I uh, shot singles with it for the first time. I think I broke a 90, 93, uh, 91. And then I uh, popped a 99 with it, followed by a 96. Um, shot another 90. Uh, 98 with it um, shortly thereafter at a, at a small local shoot at, at Rochdale Gun Club. And then uh, ended up getting a doubles gun as well, Browning Satori CXT uh, with a precision fit stock. Love the precision fit stock. It just it just feels right when I mount it. Um, the Kragoff, I, I love the gun. Just the rollover style comb, I struggle with keeping my head down. So I've actually decided to, to list that for sale. And then I'm, I'm strictly going to shoot the Satori CXT for everything now. Uh, one gun, all disciplines, keeps it simple for me. Plus, I don't have to tote around um, two different gun cases uh, wherever I go. I shoot it just as good, if not if not better with it, um, than I did the Craig off anyway. So I'm shooting the, I'm shooting the uh, Browning now. Popped a 99 in singles. Um, this past weekend at a, a small local shoot, I popped two 93s with it in a handicap struggling with it on double still, um, shot a, I've shot 500 doubles with it so far, 89, 89 and three 86s. Uh, I think it's just, it's all about technique. I just need to practice more on doubles and, you know, just get better, 
better situated with how my stance is, where I'm holding the gun, all that stuff, but I'll definitely get it. So during all this, I noticed there was a lack of social media coverage uh, regarding trap shooting online and decided to create um, this podcast and then also the, the social media pages for Trap Shooters United. So I started doing that. And then I just started uh, posting scores of local shoots, um, satellite grand, state shoots, that stuff. And then um, pushed it over to actually posting pictures, um, posting the scores on stories instead of actually in the actual post because I get more views um, during the stories. And then it kind of ex- exploded into, you know, hey, I want to do a podcast, interview some shooters, um, just kind of getting the getting the word out there. Uh, providing knowledge to people um, on on social media and here um, people listen to podcasts all the time. There's not a dedicated trap shooting podcast. Um, Jack Holland started one um, just recently, so definitely uh, give him some love on that. And then um, uh, AJ Brenner was actually the guy who really pushed me to start a podcast. So that's what I did. I have some apparel now. So trapshootersunited.myspreadshop.com. Uh, you can have, you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, sweatshirts. Um, I've had nothing but um, good feedback so far from those that have purchased it. And then um, I also have a team that I have outfitted with gear as well, um, ambassadors for Trap Shooters United. So those four shooters, I, I paid out of my own pocket, provided them with some with clothing to wear just to get some advertisement out at local shoots. So definitely uh, say hi to those folks. Uh, Nikki Hood out of Pennsylvania. I got Nate Summit uh, here from Indiana, and then I got two Missouri folks, um, Anna Raw and Ryan Loveless. Both of those are, are all Americans, top shooters, um, travel around to a bunch of the shoots. Um, so definitely um, say hi to those folks when you're out shooting. And then um, uh, definitely not making any money off the apparel. So I only make about um, a dollar per item. So definitely helps out with, obviously, I spend my time, free time, you know, doing this on my own because, uh, because I want to, I'm not looking to get rich or anything off of it. Um, but if anybody wants to help sponsor the podcast, definitely uh, shoot me a message on either Facebook or Instagram. Uh, pretty easy to get a hold of. So if you're interested, ammo companies, any type of vendor, uh, gun manufacturers, glasses, you know, whatever. If you want to be a, be a sponsor for the podcast, definitely hit me up and I'll be greatly appreciated to uh, do a, a short little ad for you, uh, mention your name a few times, all that fun stuff. So uh, my first guest on the podcast is going to be AJ Brenner from uh, AJ Supplies. Obviously, he's a shooter. He's a vendor. Everybody knows AJ, so that should be a good one. That'll be coming up here. I'm, I'm going to be interviewing him here in just a few days. So once I get my wheels up and up and spinning here with the podcast, you'll start have you'll start seeing more, uh, more and more people being interviewed on here. I had to learn all of this pretty much on my own as far as recording, uploading, editing, and then posting. Podcast world is definitely new to me, so looking forward to it. And it uh, should be a fun time. So again, thank you all for listening. Look forward to uh, providing you with some some good interviews of shooters, vendors, etc. in the trap shooting community. And uh, definitely let me know if I can improve on anything. And then it uh, should be a good time. So thanks again for listening. That's a wrap on this episode of the Trap Shooters United podcast. Thank you all for listening so much. Your support is greatly appreciated. See you all out on the trap line.